Have you ever been poor? Not poor, no. There you go. Have you ever been poor? Anybody ever been poor? Right? Where we have this never again thing, right? Have you ever been poor and you've had children where you struggle to uh, feed your children? Right? That's that thing. Whatever that thing is, it's called your why. And your why should make you cry, then it should make you fly. Mm. Yeah. So poverty for me um, is, is that thing that, that wakes me up in the morning, not just for myself, but for my children. Um, the reason why it's important for me, I have four beautiful children, 22, not children anymore, but adults now. Uh, but when you get to, if you've ever been to a place where, you know, tomorrow is, could, be, could appear to be dark financially, right? As entrepreneurs, you know, we, you go through those, those spaces. So that's that thing. What you're describing is your why, your reason why you're doing something. The reason why after you make the money, you're still going, right? After you're comfortable, what about the next generation, mm. right? What about the people who are following you? Do they, uh, are they uh, financially independent, right? Um, how bright is their future? How bright is the future for their children? So, yeah, that, that why should make you cry, then it should make you fly. And, and that passion comes from uh, me seeing other people who are in poverty, Right. Who are afraid when the pandemic hit, you know, probably you and I were, you know, we pivoted. Mm -hmm. Right. But when the pandemic hit, you know, there's a lot of people who lost their livelihood. Uh, there's a lot of people who lost their lives. There's a lot of parents who went to the hospital and never came back and left. Right. People behind. Mm -hmm. So uh, the fear of poverty. Right. Freedom. Um, our, our community, we should value freedom more than any other thing in this world. Right. Because for for a long period of time, we didn't have it. So um, I was for absolutely. Absolutely. Can you describe a moment where you realize <laughs> describe, <laughs> describe rock bottom for me in your life? Uh, rock, rock bottom is um, when, in your life, your situation. Uh, absolutely. When you foreclose on your home and have to move your four children into an apartment. Right. You, you go from, you know, doing pretty good to where something happens in your, in your business and, and you lose your home and, and your uh, belongings are sit, sitting out on a curve when you, um, when you get home and you've got to scramble to get your, you know, shelter, basic necessity, you know, for your children. And they're two, four, six and eight years old. You follow mm -hmm. me? Um, I could keep, I could, this could be the whole a 10 hour series, you know, when the uh, electricity goes out, right? When the gas and heat go out because you didn't pay it. Yeah. It's right? different when you got kids. When, when your credit is, when you, you can't answer your home phone, when your wife's answering the home phone and, 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 and crying because the money's not there to pay. When you go to the grocery store and you pull out your debit card and you're not, you don't have no confidence behind it. <laughs> That's a fact. I'm just saying. Yeah. We could all, you know, for those of us who have been in between blessings, as I call it, <laughs> right? Yeah, I could, I could keep going. I help people who are in that situation. Yeah. And a lot of Americans are in that situation, and they're poised. They may be poised about it, and you don't know what they're going through. They may sit right here in, your, in this chair and um, park in their car around the corner. Do you keep that in your, 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 uh, your ooh, memory bank? Ooh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I keep it in my memory bank because I don't never want to forget and I never want to look at that person that's in that situation and overlook them. Mm. When I have a vehicle that could that could help them. Yeah. And there's a there's a level level of empathy that you have when you see that look, when you see that stare. Yeah. Cause you, you can relate. Oh, you should never forget that either. And the next thing was maturity. Yeah. In what regard? Just when you're doing business, there's a level of maturity. I see young, beautiful people in here that are, are mature in, in business. And they're not hiding behind a title. They're not saying, oh, I get a pass because I'm a millennial or I'm a Generation Z. Um, we're doing business, so they're, according, they're uh, acting accordingly, regardless of their age. Mm -hmm. There's a level of maturity that you have to have to do business, to walk into the bank, right? To, to negotiate 
and have to negotiate contracts and deals. There's a level of maturity that you have to have. You don't get a pass because you're a certain age. You are. You had a meeting about what you're not going to do in the following year yeah. versus what you're going to do in all the plans. How did that conversation go? So, so I just said, every quarter I meet with my Goldman Sachs guy. He flies in, me and my wife, we go, we sit there and we talk about how the market's done, what's going on. I had dinner last week with David Solomon I'm sorry, in Miami. Your Goldman Sachs guy, what do you mean? He's my advisor, he's my financial oh, advisor. Nice. Yeah, right. so, and we're having dinner last week, so we're looking at what's gonna happen in 2023. And we're sitting there going through all the projects that we have going on, how the consulting firm is doing, how the insurance company is doing, how the media company is doing, how Manect, our technology company is doing. We're looking at everything. And then, then we have to look at what are we taking off the table? So, hey, speaking gigs, couple hundred thousand dollars an hour to go speak here. Well, maybe this year we're only gonna do it if we're only going to the following opportunities, because that's gonna help with this, and that's a you know, relationship that's gonna lead to this, and it's gonna match the calendar, because these are the three months you're available to do this, versus let's take this out, let's take that out. So the mindset becomes more about not having a to-do list, but do not do list. Like, I am no longer gonna do this. I am no longer gonna do that. Yeah. And that frees up time to put more into, we had a meeting a month ago, and I sat down with our leaders here, and I said, I don't wanna go wide right now, I just wanna go deep. We have way too many companies and projects that we're managing that we keep adding another one and another one and another one. I'm gonna take these things here and go hire the right leaders and executives to take it deeper and deeper and deeper. Let's strengthen these companies and then increase valuation and then possibly consider this. But we're not at a point right now to go more. We have. I think it's nine companies we're operating right now, mm. and uh, they're all doing good. A couple of them are doing great, and uh, you know we need we need to be more focused. In the next twelve months, I'd like to hire somewhere around six to ten C-suite executives, two hundred thousand plus range salary bonuses, to find the right leaders. Because it, it, you know from the outside, like this week, my schedule this week's been a insane schedule this week. The December, I had a meeting this week with the board, they flew in. Then the next day we had all the major insurance companies I work with, we bring them in, we enter, you know, entertain them, take them to Prime Steakhouse. And then the next day I'm you know, having a you know, message with them on what we're doing for 2023, what went good, bad, ugly in 2022, what things we're concerned about, what's going on with the State of the Union of insurance industry with ourselves. Then the following day I had four masterminds here with our insurance executives. Each of them was hosted uh, by a different executive, and one group had 40 people. I went and spoke to those guys for two hours, and I had a two-hour break, went to the next one, spoke for two and a half hours, and I went to the next one at a different location, two hours. Then I went to the last one, spoke there for two and a half hours, and then I stayed with those guys, and we played spades all night <laughs> till three o'clock in the morning because I was being punked by these guys by, from New Orleans, Memphis, Chicago, thinking just because I'm Middle Eastern, I don't know how to play spades. Right. And we showed them we know how to split, play spades. For and sure. then the next day, which was last night, I uh, brought uh, the top guys, 100 people with their spouses. We put a party at the house last night. We wrapped up at 12.30 Sunday night. And then I'm back at it again this morning. So it's, it's a lot of intentional thinking of what is gonna deserve our attention this year and what we need to set aside and then get a little bit more disciplined by bringing the right support so it gives us more time to give attention to those things that are growing. Um, depression happens because you keep looking back. Anxiety happens because you're looking too far forward. All, all I'm telling you is to stay right right here in the now, right? And I'm gonna give you this analogy that I love all the time, right? So I don't I don't drive without Waze. So Waze is a is a is a navigation app, right? I don't drive without Waze because Waze, you put your address in where you wanna go, and Waze already knows what's happening in the traffic sphere. And so if if, if it's telling me to take I-20, and I know normally I would take I-285, there's a reason why Waze is telling me to take I-20, because they might be packed on I-285. And so I'm gonna listen to Waze, right? But let's say I don't listen to Waze. Let's say I go however way I wanna go, I go to I-285 and I get stuck, right? Waze is not gonna take me back where I started and tell me how to get to where I'm going. It's gonna recalculate it from where? From where I am currently, right? And so I think what, what people do is, the people who had the bad relationships, the people who had all these bad experiences, they keep replaying this negative thing in their head. They keep trying to start over. They keep trying to backtrack and figure out where did I go wrong? 
It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Hey, y'all, I ain't going to lie, man. They sent me this Ufi lock. Think about being on the couch. Someone rings the doorbell. Your child left their key at school, and they need you to get off the couch to open the door. Well, you don't have to do it anymore with this Ufi lock. You can open, unlock, see who's at the door all on your phone. It's super easy to install. You can set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It's keyless entry. So it's no more fumbling for your keys when your hands are full coming from the grocery store. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. Listen, you put your fingerprint on there, you don't have, even if you got you got your bags, you put one finger out there, boop, you get to unlock your door that way. No battery anxiety. You don't have to worry about the battery dying. Quick charging. It's incredible. Also, passcode unlocking and remote control with a 2K clear sight camera so you can see who's at the front door. You're in control anywhere from the app. Enhanced night vision. It's absolutely incredible. No monthly fee either. So unlike other brands that charge a monthly fee, you have you have uh, recordings locally, and you don't have to pay for the storage. Customer support is on 10. Listen, Ufi is on standby for you 24-7, so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by our professional customer service team. Listen, you can contact them anytime, telephone, email, or live chat. Okay, listen, you need this Eufy lock. You need to look it up. All you have to do is go to the official website, Eufy, E-U-F-Y dot com. I just ordered mine, okay? I love this product. It is incredible. It's a game changer. It makes life so much easier, right? So if you have a video doorbell already or any smart lock, it's, it's, it's time to replace it. It's time to replace it. So listen, search Eufy. E-U-F-Y, Video Lock. Search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Okay? You can get a complete control of your front door, your life, back door. Incredible. Okay? So search Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock. Um, where did I do this left turn? Why would I do this this way? And then that, and then they try to reroute themselves from the, the past when that don't even exist no more. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care where you're from. I don't care who you know. Right. There's nothing you could do to bring back the past. Right. And even if you do everything that you think you're supposed to be doing, there's nothing you could do to control the future. And so I just live in daytight compartments. I'm telling every single person that that hears the sound of my voice. I need you to live in daytight compartments. What does that mean? That means where do you want to go? 
Don't tell me about what happened in the past. Don't tell me about what mistakes you... I don't care about none of that. Right now, today, where do you want to go? Put in that destination and just move in daytight compartments. Why is that, right? Because at the end of the day... Even when tomorrow comes, it's still today. Mm-hmm. And so if all you do is the best that you could do today, everything else is going to work out. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I also believe, again, I said I'm a big believer in the law of attraction. It's about awareness, mm-hmm. right? You get what you are aware of, yeah. right? There are people right now, as we speak, who are aware of how many jobs have been lost. They're aware about how many, uh, you know, how bad the economy looks and the outlook. They're aware of that, right? They focus on that. They focus on how many people died from COVID. They're aware. And guess what happens? They're stuck in doom and gloom because their awareness of that. Then there's another side of people who are aware of how many millionaires were made during this time. They're aware about all the great opportunities that exist right now. They are aware that this is the best time to be alive because there's a wealth transfer happening right now. They're aware of that. And that awareness is what's allowing some people to crush it. I'm talking about crush. Yo, I had a friend call me and said, yo, Ash, yo, yo, I'm $18,000 away from having a million dollars in my account. He said, yo, I'm 18,000, yo, in the pandemic. He said, yo, and this is a business that he didn't even have pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. right? And so there are people who are killing it, who are crushing it. 100%. But it's about awareness, though. And so the, for the person, right, you, you know, uh, what, what Henry Ford says, so, you know, there's those who think they can and those who think they can't, and they You're both right. right. 100%. And so there are people right now, and, and, I, and, and honestly, it's not even my job to convince those people, Right? I'm not in. I'm in. I'm not in that business. I'm not in the business of trying to convince people that if you focus on doom and gloom, you'll get doom and gloom. If you focus on abundance, you'll get abundance. What my job is is to display God, right? Greatness on display. And so the way I teach is I show you. Yeah. I don't gotta. I don't gotta tell you. I'm a. I'm a show you. I'm gonna say yo, right? Like I, yo, I got as we speak. I got three television deals, bro. Like as mm. we speak. Right, like, like, like during the pandemic, the, these these companies are reaching out. They like, yo, we want you on television. I wrote that twelve years ago, though, too. It's in the mm. book. For, go, 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 go to my right money, right? Tell us a financial freedom, page forty eight. I wrote that. I wrote that twelve years ago, right? And, and how did those opportunities come? Because I'm aware that abundance is my birthright. I don't accept nothing else. I don't hear you. If somebody's talking about doom and gloom, I don't understand that. Me no speak, I don't speak that language. And and so I would tell anybody who's having that, um, and it's it's not me um, poking fun at it. It's not me making light of it. It's 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 reality. Reality is what you focus on. Period. Right? You if you if you if you're sick, and you're focusing on your sickness, you're not gonna get healthy. Yeah, hundred percent. If you broke and you focus on being broke, you're not gonna get wealthy. You need to focus on what you want. If you sick, focus on wellness. Don't 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 hang out other other sick people. If you sick, stop hanging around sick people. Yeah. If you sick, go find some some healthy people, some people who are working out, some people who are healthy, vibrant. Hang out with them. Don't go to a nursing home and see a a, a seventy year old who's who's on their deathbed. Watch a seventy year old who's doing pull ups. Yeah. Right? Cause cause now you're like, wait, hold on. All right. So so all right. Let me let me move in that in that faction. Yeah. If, 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 if you broke right now, stop hanging around with people who broke. Start yeah. hanging out with dudes that, that, that are making it happen. Dudes that don't make no excuses. Dudes who are, you know what I'm saying? And because the awareness of that. How can I unsee that? Yeah. How, how, can, how can my man hit me and tell me he's $18,000 away from being a millionaire, having a million dollars, cash money in his account? I can't unsee that. I can't unhear that. Yeah. When somebody tell me, they, yo, they did 100 bands in a month. A hundred bands in two days. I can't unhear that. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was at my man crib. He told me that 1.1 million on Black Friday. Yep. Yeah. I can't unsee it. You can't. You can't. And can't. he showed me the phone. I won't put his business on. He showed me the phone with the dates. Yeah. I said, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I can't unsee it. You can't unsee it. And now I know it's possible. Absolutely, that's it. He's not much taller than me. Right. Yeah, I don't know if he's much better speaker than me. Right. I believe if if you cut his arm, he'll probably bleed red like me. Absolutely. I feel like yeah. th- th- 
it, it's possible now. Absolutely, without you a doubt. You feel me? Without a doubt. All right, so I, I need to know yeah. your first lessons in money. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because you're you are around the money, yep. right? You're, you're understanding how it works, and you're seeing the overdraft fees. Yeah. What was your first lesson in money as a 19-year-old? Yeah, first month, first lesson in money um, is that we got to stop working hard for money. Money needs to work hard for us, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because most of the people who I knew uh, who had the overdraft fees, who were struggling, were the, were the people who worked, right? Mm -hmm. They exchanged time for money, their physical labor for money. Uh, the people who were living it up, you know, the clients that had time, to, 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 you know, kick back at my desk and just 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 shoot the shit. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like, those clients, you know, they, 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 they were bosses. They owned something. They created something that keep paying them over and over, right? They had employees or they were, you know, the landlords who bought the, the property and the tenants were paying them. Like, every single one of the folks that I knew that were wealthy had an asset. And the asset paid for the things, not their labor, and so I said, you know what? I got to stop working hard for money. I got to figure out how do I get some assets, right? Because here's the deal. There are four types of people on this earth. You got consumers, producers, investors, and philanthropists. Consumers, producers, producers investors, investors, and philanthropists. Okay, talk to me. What happens is most people are only consumers, mm -hmm. right? They make money, they consume. They make money, they consume. And what are they doing? They're stopping the cycle of money, right? Money's supposed to circulate, and what happens is that as consumers, they're just consuming, and now they have to work again to make some money. But what if you were a consumer and a producer? Now you consume, but now you're producing something. And as you produce, you're now putting that thing out to sell, and now people are paying you for it. If you're investing, right, now you take that money and you're investing in something, that investment is paying you back. If you're a philanthropist, you're giving to something that you love, universal love, I mean, universal law, the more you give, the more you get. So now you become all four people, you're truly financially free. Mm -hmm. Because not only does the money come in, I consume, I produce, I invest, I give away, and from those other three buckets, things are coming back to me. From being a producer, I get, I get stuff back. From being an investor, I get money back. From being a philanthropist, I get opportunities and things back. Right. And so my, my first lesson was that was, like, yo, we got to stop working hard for money. Believe it or not, I, I just kept thinking that I was 90 days away from being a millionaire. <laughs> and, and if you had asked me, I would have told you, dude, 90 days. Oh, dude, it's going to be crazy. And then you came back 90 days from then and you said, what happened? Oh, dude, where I'm not yet, but I'm telling you 90 more days. Like I was always that far away. Yeah. Was it, was it positive affirmation or like you create, there's always like this moment where something's about to happen and I'm about to hit it. Every freaking 90 <laughs> days, I believe that I was 90 days away. I'm going to write a book one of these days that's called, how do you get anything you want in 90 days and spell the days with a Z? Why Z? Because you almost have to be in a daze. Mm. Like how you get anything you want in 90 days is very simple. You figure out what it is that you want, which is the hardest of them all. Yeah. You figure out what it is that you want, okay? Then you figure out how to get it, which is not that difficult. People think that's the difficult part, right? I want a million dollars. Well, how do I get it? That's the hard part. That's not the hard part, folks. That's the easy part. The easy part is figuring out how to figure do it. How to do it. Yeah, like it's harder to figure out what you want than figure out how to get it or how to do it. Dude, here's how you figure out how to do it. You find somebody who's already done it and you see what they did and you copy what they did. You emulate what they did. You see a big bodybuilder, go eat what they ate. Go, go lift what they lifted. Go do what they did. And nine times out of 10, you're going to get what they got because like action causes like result. So doesn't matter who's doing it. You know, if you go do something and yeah. I'm like, dude, he did what I want to do. I'd say, what'd you do? Or I'd read your book or, you know, take your courses or whatever. And I would do it. Now, some people say, oh, what if the guy's a scam? He didn't really do it. Well, I can't help you there. I said, you got to find someone who actually did it. <laughs> right, right. But that's how easy it is to figure out how to do what you want to do. Find someone who's already done it. But the and then, and then the third one is do the work where right. mo most people crash. So how do you get anything you want in 90 days? You figure out what it is. Mm -hmm. You put your damn head down and you bust your ass 
moving towards it yeah. for 90 days and 90 days later you look up and if you're not where you wanted to be look your head down again put your head down again work for another 90 days and look up and if you're not where you want to be put your head down and work for another 90 days and look up and if you're not where you want to be put your head down mm, i like it and look, i like and work for another 90 days and then look up and keep repeating that until you get everything you want in 90 days. Yeah, as you're talking, I'm looking at my journey of like building what I built and it was that. It's crazy, like you're saying it and I'm like, and I never put it in terms like that, but it's like, okay, we're always, this is this is going to be the metric. I'm just gonna work, work, work. You look up, say, are we there yet? Not there yet, and we just keep working. And what you said was um, the hardest part is figuring out what you wanna do. I wanna kinda like, drill into that because there are people that like you I'll say hey buy this course they're gonna buy it somebody else say hey buy this course they're gonna buy it why is it so hard to figure out what you want well because we're trying because we focus on other people and their opinions and their beliefs and their thoughts our parents you know our spouses mm -hmm. we're always worried about what everybody else thinks you know what do you want I don't know you know you gotta think what do you want yeah, like I've had to think about it a lot. It's hard figuring out what you want, and then you change your mind. You know, I sometimes say, "Man, I want to be a buff." Mm -hmm. Then I start to get in better and better shape. And then I'm like, "Dude, I don't want to live like this, bro. I want to freaking be able to enjoy life a little bit, <laughs> right?" Yeah, for sure. Then I'm like, "You know, I'm not never smoking cigars again. These are stupid. They're aging my skin. They make you stink. I'm never smoking them again." And then. You know, someone comes around who's cool to smoke cigars, wants to celebrate. It's like, dang, okay, so I will. So we vacillate. We go back and forth. To visualize exactly what you want is, is in my opinion, very difficult. Yeah. If you spend enough time, though, it is possible. So you have to spend time every day really thinking about it. And then, again, if you're married or whatever, you have to ask who you're with, kind mm -hmm. of what their thoughts are. Because, dude, it could be very likely that you don't want what your girl wants. <clears throat> and if you find that out and you stay with that girl anyway, well, now you're just stupid. <laughs> so, dude, there's some people that don't want to find that out. Yeah. Why? Well, because, hey, someone else is going to be serving that up. You don't want that. You don't want that. For so sure. what do you do? You stick your head in the sand and act like you don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I want. I don't know. I got time. People mm -hmm. think they have time. Yeah. What advice do you give someone? Because I have an audience of uh, entrepreneurs that are probably on the journey. They're, they're, um, they're trying to figure out maybe what they want. What advice do you give someone in that position on how to attack social media? Because they might think they want success or they want money, but I don't think that's what they want. They want to be able to make money in a way that makes them happy, right? Well, I mean, what I do doesn't always make me happy. I make money so I can, you know, have options. Yeah. At the end of the day, a lot of people always think that you're going to get rich so you can do what you want. And a lot of the rich people I know, they do what they don't want, which is why they're rich. So they get mm. that backwards. But you're doing what you want, though. Just not every day. I, yeah, but I'm also not a billionaire yet. <laughs> and and i think it's because i do what i want but that, that's why i keep going back and forth like do i really want to be a billionaire well not if it means i have to be some robotic <laughs> now my life's over and i'm a billionaire but i didn't enjoy it at yeah. all yeah i ate freaking basically shit food the whole time i worked out the whole time i worried about everybody else's opinion the whole time and then when i finally got there i'm like hey i'm here look i made it everyone and no one gives a yeah. Now everybody hates you because you're a billionaire. You're like, damn, I thought everyone was going to love me. <laughs> I thought everyone was going to care about me. So you basically spent your whole life worrying about everybody else's opinion. Yeah. I don't do that. Mm. Why? Well, because again, you can't make everyone happy, bro. So you might as well yeah. pick yourself. That's a fact. Uh, doers and thinkers, right? Is that the same or just it's two different things? Two, okay. Let's so talk about the doers. Right. And, um, and then the thinkers. I'm excited about the thinkers, but talk to me about the doers. It's just, I said it. I, I say this all the time. There's from the time you contacted me to the time that we're actually here. How much time was that? About a week. 
That's doing it, right? Yeah, for sure. That's me accepting the invitation, you being prepared, having the facility, having the you know, whole process in place. How many times do you hear people talking about doing something like this and right. for years? Mm-hmm. You know, you can go back to your, your neighborhood and, and, and see the fellas, you know, still like, man, I'm getting ready to, you know, cut this album or. People are always ready to get ready. Man, they're they getting ready, man. <laughs> years ago by, and you're like, man, like, how's it going? It's like, man, I'm, I'm, man, I'm still, you know, years. So there, there are executors like, like us, yeah. you know, that, that actually do it. Right. We'll mess it up. Right. We'll get out there and we'll try it. We'll do it. We'll mess it up. Adjust. Correct. We'll do it. Some people are so afraid to fail that they won't do anything. So they Mm. keep it in the discussion stages, in the theoretical stages. Right. We're doers. Right. We're going to do it. You know, when when I I, I lost my team, I lost my income. It's time to do it. Yeah. What what do you think you've come across a lot of people what do you think attributes to the lack of doing it? Fear. Number one. Man, what would you attempt if you knew you couldn't fail? Think about it. What would you try to do if you knew you couldn't fail? Everybody be millionaires, <laughs> right? Fear is one thing. Why are, you, why are you talking about it? Why are you not doing it? You're scared. You're afraid to fail. Yeah. You're afraid to do it. That's the only reason you wouldn't do it. How do you shake someone out of fear? Uh, education. People are only afraid of the things that they don't understand. Not inspiration. No. Man, people can be inspired, right? Pumped up, right? Still going to be scared. (laughs) Because inspiration is what you get from other people. What are they going to do once you're gone? I can inspire you, but I'm going to leave. Then you got to go do the thing. And it's not going to happen overnight. So what do I do? Come in every day and inspire you? You're still going to be scared. You're really going to be scared when you get out there and start doing it if you, if you don't understand it. Mm. Understanding. Education. Education. All like getting get an understanding. Understand. You, man, you, you're flipping this microphone, and people are scared to death of this microphone. <laughs> you, it's just a part of, like a part of your wardrobe. Yeah. Yo, that is a really good point. I understand that I can come in here. I'm educated to know that I can talk into this mic and it goes into that recorder. But if I don't like what goes into the recorder, I can just delete it. I understand that. But I think some people don't know that they could try something. And if it does, they don't like that one. They could just try it again. They don't even know that. Right. I believe. Well, also your ability to communicate with other people. Right. All those things. But if you know you don't have a command of the English vocabulary, you would be afraid. Mm. Right. So, again, fear isn't coming in so many different forms, because once you once you speak it, once it comes out, you can't unspeak it. Mm. It's out there. People are afraid of that. People are afraid of public opinion. What people think about me is none of my business. (laughs) Y'all caught it. Did you get, we clapped that up. We clapped that up. We clapped that up. Let's I go. mean, really, I, I mean, I can't. Well, people the, people that's, the people that's walking around, it's like they, you know, afraid to say it, do it, mess it up, right? Mess it. We, man, Dave, come on. We failed our way to the top. 100%. I mean, you messed it up. You didn't start with these microphones. Right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> these right. That's not all, you know, all the, you know, you, you keep adjusting. You throw it out there and you keep making the adjustments, but you weren't afraid to start it. Mm. Man, I think people know that they just need to start, right? Absolutely. And be humble enough to take the lessons that come along the way and make the proper adjustments and corrections. Mm-hmm. That's where humility comes in at, where you admit, man, I messed up. Yeah. I need to adjust. But if you don't think anything wrong, you keep doing the same thing. You keep failing. But you have to be humble enough to take the lessons that come with it. Let me ask this. You said that, um, and this is what I gathered, when you were when you hit rock bottom. What's up, podcaster or soon-to-be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back, 
and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know, ATL, baby. Atlanta, Georgia, going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you, rub shoulders with industry leaders and you got to network with the other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code BIGDEAL, It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people to listen to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you no, right now yet you got time no pressure you get us back but use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free so don't wait so secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country join us july 4th and 5th in atlanta let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality y'all head over to podcastsummit.com use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal you're actually up at some point so let, let me when you did you hit rock bottom and then you started to build, like, were you already on the bottom and you realized, okay, I'm down. Like there's a company, let's say you have a job, you're just getting by and then you lose the job and now you hit rock bottom, but it's not a, it's not a long fall. It's just, okay, I'm doing right, 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 again. right, 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 right. Were you up and then you fell and then had to come up again? Absolutely. Because we're entrepreneurs, yeah. right? And that's, that goes back to why people don't try things because they don't want to fail. Yeah. For people like us, we're not going to be satisfied, you know, with just, you know, the the basic. Mm -hmm. It was very clear. I wanted to be wealthy. Yeah. Right. If if I wasn't trying to be wealthy, I would have never failed. I would have been doing something safe. <laughs> I was. I failed going for it, mm -hmm. and I fell. Right. Yeah. But I got back up, and it made those adjustments. Yeah. Right. What do you think is worse? Not being successful for a long time ever or becoming successful if they're failing. Well, I mean, it, it just success is relative, mm. right? So, for a lot of people, success is making the six figures. Yeah. For success, for a lot of, for some people, is having a job. Mm -hmm. Success for me was defined as being wealthy. Mm -hmm. And how did, you just, how did you define wealthy? Uh, the first uh, sign of initial wealth for me 
was to get to $19,231 a week, $83,333 a month, which is a million dollars a year. That was my personal, you know, target. Mm -hmm. You follow me? And along the way, you know, I I failed. For the person that like wants to get something going, if you could attribute it, if you could attribute their success to three things, what would it be? So somebody that's uh, uh, maybe got a side hustle, he's an Uber driver, making fifty hundred grand a year. Okay. So so look, you know, the the first thing you got to do is you got to ask a very straight up question of yourself. Okay. Um, How much money you got in the bank? How much total net worth do you have right now? What's the most you've ever had before? Are you happy with those numbers? So if you said I got twenty eight grand in the bank. Most I've ever had is 35 grand. You know, no, I'm not happy with where I'm at. Yeah. And I'm willing to change. So then you got to ask yourself, okay, if you're not happy with the results today, that means the way you process issues doesn't produce the kind of results you want. So meaning your way of thinking got you to have the life that you have today. Yeah. Okay. So let's unpack your way of thinking. So... I had a guy, a friend of mine, that I used to party with a lot. So he would call me when I was trying to make it, and he had no desire to want to make it. Yeah. This guy was a guy that wanted to stay home and take care of his kid, and his wife would work. I'm not that guy. Yeah. I'm a guy that likes to work, but that's the life he chose to live. I noticed every time he would call me, he was a downer, he was negative, he was annoying, but I felt it was part of my duty to be loyal to him because if I didn't... <sighs> I'm being out of character and I felt guilt. That guilt got me to pick up the phone call of a friend that every single time <laughs> about everybody. So I would be on the phone with him for 45 minutes. He would bitch about his wife. He would bitch about his mom. He would bitch about his dad. He would bitch about his friends. He would literally about everything. And then I knew when he got off the phone, he's going to call somebody else and he's going to bitch about <laughs> me. I knew that for a fact that it's going to be taking place, right? So finally one day I said, listen, do you realize every time you call me it's bad news? I said, tell me the last time you called me with good news. And he says, life isn't always good, man. People got problems. I said, I totally get it. But I want you to tell me the last time you called me with some good news. I said, moving forward, I don't want you to call me anymore. Really? Because you drain me. This is too much. So how do you train somebody that you don't want to talk to anymore and it's once a year? When they call, you let the phone ring twice, then you press end. You don't ignore it because they know maybe they missed a call. And if you press end early, they think you're in bad reception area. But if you wait two seconds and then you press end, they know. Right. You press end. Okay? So then it's when the I, science behind it's, it. It's, there's a science behind it. So he realized, man, either I got to be in the hunt to go after my dreams or Pat's not going to want to talk to me. And honestly, I got over the whole guilt factor of that, that I don't want to call and don't want to talk to you if you're constantly a downer. A lot of times when you're an Uber driver, you're making 40, 50, 60,000 dollars a year, people around you are making the same kind of money as well. It's not like the people around you are making a million, two million, five million, 10 million. It's, It's challenging for you to be friends with them because typically one of two things will happen. So let's just say you make a million a year, and you're super disciplined, you're after it, you're crushing it in life, yeah. married, kids, everything you're doing, it's intentional. And I'm kind of like the guy we used to play basketball in high school, I was your point guard, right. you were the shooting guard. So we're boys. We party together, we got history, girlfriends, all that stuff, we have that memory, but now you're married, I'm still single. Okay, so say you call me on a Friday and I say, hey, Pat, what you got going on tonight? I said, nothing. He says, man, listen, uh, you got the Hawks are playing Milwaukee, mm-hmm. And Trey's going against Giannis. Mm. Man, I got courtside seats. You want to go? I said, hell yeah. Says, dude, I got tickets. Six seats. It's four grand a pop. Okay? Now, say I'm making 50. Right. And you're making a mil. Yeah. How am I going to receive that phone call when he called me? Let's process that together. One, I'm going to say, you know I can't afford four grand for a ticket. Why are you calling me? Two, I'm going to say, I know you can afford it. Why don't you pay for me? Three, I'm just going to make up some story to say I'm busy. But regardless of what it is, you're losing. Yeah. Not me. One, I'm going to inject guilt in you on why are you calling me. Two, if you don't pay, I'm going to inject guilt again. Three, I'm going to have to make up some story not to go with you. Or if I spend the $4,000 to go with you, I shouldn't do it because I don't have that kind of money. Yeah. So, So now you are afraid to call me next time. So there's only a matter, like let's just say, hey, Christmas, my wife, we want to create family rituals. This Christmas, we want to go to Aspen, and we got this cabin, five bedrooms, we want you to bring your family with you. 
I'm like, dude, I can't bring my family to, you know, let's split the private jet, let's go together, man. It's only 100 grand. <laughs> you do 50, I do 50. This is not the fact that to you, your entire life is about money. Yeah. And to me, my life isn't about money. You've taken those things a little bit more. We came from the same hood. Yeah. We came from the same high school. We came from the same, we've seen the same drug, same coke, same ecstasy, yeah. same crack, same pot, same gang, same blood, crack, blood diamond, MS, doesn't matter. We've seen the same thing, yeah. right? You changed the way you think, I did not. So for people that are in that situation, let me tell you what I did this week, which was a very special thing. Did you see the interview I did with Antonio Brown? I don't know if you saw that or no, not. No, that, that was next on my YouTube yeah, list. So too. Antonio Brown and I are sitting together. If you've seen it, he gets upset. He says, you idiot, you don't know what you're talking about. He's sitting right here where you're sitting. Really? It's like four weeks ago. He was serious. And, yeah, he was serious. So it's a very, very complicated interview with AB. So I said, AB, you know, uh, uh, so he says, you didn't come from the streets. I came from the streets. I said, listen, my parents got a divorce twice. Divorced family. I came from the streets of LA. My dad was a cashier in Inglewood, California. Mm. He said, where I grew up, Liberty City, people get shot at. I said, what do you think happens in Inglewood when my dad was working on that? Yeah. So I grew up at Iran. We got bombed on. He says, no, that's because you chose to join the army. I said, I didn't have a choice. I was born in Iran. <laughs> There's no choice there, right? Let me tell you what happened. He kept telling me about Liberty City. I said, no problem. You want to create a paradigm shift for me? I'll accept it, AB. Here's what I'm going to do. On Wednesday, I tell my guys, I want to go to Liberty City. So I go to Liberty City, and I go to find a Winn-Dixie in Liberty City. We go to that Winn-Dixie. Right across the street, there's a shooting bodies on the ground. Cops are picking up the bodies. Up, and we that have this day. on video. You'll see it. That, not that day, that hour Sheesh. is what we're talking about. I go to Liberty City. The manager of Liberty City, I tell him I want to be a bagger. So I'm wearing the outfit of a bagger. I got the picture right here for you. <laughs> I'm dressed as a bagger at Liberty City Winn-Dixie is what I'm doing, okay? Mm -hmm. I get in there, and this is me right here. I get in there, that's me. I'm a bagger, Winn-Dixie, you'll see the whole video. <laughs> me and Heather, that's Heather. Heather's a cashier right. right there, and I'm doing the bagging stuff. Yeah. People are coming by. So say, hey, Yolanda, how you doing? Good. Is that your son? Yes, how old is he? Five months. Hey, Ma, where's the diapers? Do we need diapers? Oh, we need diapers, but we can't afford it right now. What else the diapers? I go to aisle five, I pick up all the diapers, I bring them to them. For an hour on aisle number seven, I was paying everyone's groceries. Wow. I said, hey, Merry Christmas, 280. Merry Christmas, 320. And then people started realizing, go to aisle seven. And then aisle seven <laughs> became the popular line, right? right? But the entire time, one of the ladies at the end was 85 years old. She says, who are you? I said, I'm just a regular guy. She says, no, you're not. I said, I'm telling you, I'm just a regular guy. Why are you doing this? I said, why am I doing this? Yeah, I said, because you said you're 85. She says, yes. I said, okay. You were a teacher for 42 years? I was. I said, my dad did this for 15 years in Inglewood. He got held up three times. Every time he got held up, he would give him the Bible and he would talk about God with them. Mm. Eventually, they loved my dad because they tre he treated everybody like regular people. He wasn't afraid of gangsters and he didn't see the drug as a bad person. He just talked to the people and he would constantly figure out a way to get close to them. I said, my dad's 80, my dad's standing right there, my dad's standing right behind me wow. while he's watching me doing this, okay? Sometimes in life, we need a paradigm shift. If you're rich, you need to take your kids to a place to see how rough life can be. If you're poor, you need to go look at a $3 million home with a yeah. realtor. You need to go to a Ferrari dealership, you need to go to a land. I remember I used to go to a Ferrari dealership, David, and I would say, I played one game, here's what my game was, it's a sick game I would play. I'm broke, I got nothing <laughs> in my name, I'm so poor, it sucks. I'm about to go back in the army, but I would say, I want to find out if they believe I'm rich. I want to see if this Ferrari salesperson <laughs> believes I can afford to buy a Ferrari. So I would go to the dealership and I would walk around. You know what I would say? Man, the guy's ignored. He doesn't even say hi. Right. You know why? He knows I can't afford it. He feels the vibe. Mm. So a year later, I would go back in. Still doesn't talk to me. A year later, I go back in. How are you? Good. I still can't afford it, but now he believes I can't afford it. That's all that matters. <laughs> so then I would go to Mulholland Drive and I, would, I went one time to look at this three and a half million dollar house, open house. Mm -hmm. I walk in, said, how you doing? Good. Um, what can you tell me about this property? And she leaves a customer and comes with me and spends 45 minutes showing the home. This is at a time that I can only probably buy a $700,000 property. But the fact that she thought and believed my aura, my energy was a character of somebody that could afford to buy a three and a half million dollar house. It made me believe that I'm on my way to be able to buy a three and a half million dollar house. So today I live in a $30 million house. 
I don't, now it's a different story. But during that time, so if somebody that's driving the Uber car right now, you got to create the other kind of paradigm shifts for you. Wow. You got to go to a complete different environment to get yourself to say, why not me? Why not my family? Why can't I do something about it? So right. if you're doing Uber, you can no longer, I went on a diet of music. You know when people talking about hip hop? I don't know Lamar. The other day I was asking guys who are the top five rappers right now. One guy said Little Baby's number one. This person's number 10. They're going back and forth debating, right? You know who I know? I know up until 2003, 2002, <laughs> because I went on a radio diet. Yeah. I've never, I've not turned on the radio since 2002. Wow. You tell me any R&B, if you want to play the game of R&B, I can tell you Rome. Mm -hmm. Every time I see you, okay, so it makes me, I can tell you Uncle Sam, I don't ever want to see you. I can go to Brian McKnight. You know, I can go to, you know, Atlantics. I can go to As Yet. I can go to, you know, anything with Tupac, anything with Biggie. I can go to one of the greatest albums of all time by DMX. I can go Mo Murder by Bone Thugs and Harmony. I think it's number 16. I can go to... I can go to Blackstreet's album, tell you exactly which one is the baby making music to listen to. You know, don't leave me. I can go to Usher, tell you my way. I can go to all of that stuff. But my timeline ends at 02. Yeah. Because if you're an Uber driver and you're serious about your dreams, go on a radio diet for one year. No radio for you this year. Nothing. No radio, no Spotify. The only thing you listen to all year this year is audiobooks, if you're an Uber driver. All business, all intentional, all vision, all autobiographies, let people inspire you. Yeah. Can the person that's listening to this right now making 50K a year saying, Pat, David, I'm ready, I'm committed, no problem. Can you go on a Spotify, on an iTunes, on a diet, nothing for an entire year. Now, when you work out, listen to your hip hop. Yeah. Fire yourself up. I listen to hit up, up when, hit him up when I'm working out. I listen to my hip hop music when I'm working out because it's getting me going. But I went on a radio diet since oh two till today. I've never once listened to the radio. Oh. So those are the things that the exchanges people need to make to have a paradigm shift. And this is coming from a guy that had a one point eight GPA in high school. Yeah. I'm not the guy that you know came out of a family that I'm supposed to be somebody. So. That's what I would say to those folks. So for me, uh, I was a I was a private banker before I can became a branch manager. Uh, I was a private banker, so I I worked with the mass affluent, which means that you had to have two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in investable assets, um, and I had a book of business of four hundred clients. My my w most wealthiest clients were worth, worth uh, twenty two million dollars. Mm. I think going through that book of business and realizing. You know, I had some doctors, you know, that were that were part of my book, you know, my portfolio. They weren't wealthy, right? Because those were the ones that were asking me for deals and trying to figure out how I get them better mortgage rate or, you know, they, they, they were the ones I was speaking to all the time, right? Um, and so I realized that even from a high level, right? A lot of these doctors were making, were pulling six figures. They were making a lot of money, but they worked for money still. Right. And, and, and that's the biggest thing I want you all to realize, too, is that it's not about the amount of money. There's somebody right now who makes a million dollars who is still living check to check. 100 percent. There's somebody right now as we speak. Make a million, spend a million. Exactly. And one. Exactly. <laughs> and they're living check to check. And so it, it wasn't until uh, I won't say his name, um, but it was a Jewish guy um, who owned um, a chain of uh, like streetwear, urbanwear. He was, he was my $22 million client. Um, and I don't know, maybe I was, you know, I'm a nice guy, like to hang out with me. He would just call me to his office and we would hang out. He would take me to lunch, right? And I realized, like, you were yo, his banker. I'm his and banker. He just call you over. Yeah, he would just call me over, like, hey, I, it wasn't even bank stuff. Like, yo, just hang out. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I realized, I'm like, yo, this dude is like, is living a life. I, I see your accounts, I know what you're pulling in, and you not, and you just chilling. And so it was at that point that I realized, like, how is he chilling? Is because he owns, and that's the other thing. A lot of times, there were it was actually different, uh, a different chain of urban wear that you that in my mind I thought they were competitors, and he owned both of them. Mm. He owned both. He owned both, right? Um, and I think at that moment I realized, like, yo, it's it's about ownership. Until you own your own, you can't be free. Yeah. Um, and then for me. Uh, it started to really click that, all right, you know, it's, 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 it's time to get into ownership business. Um, because the other thing, too, is that if you work for money, you can't duplicate yourself. Mm -hmm. 
right? Um, and so the amount of money that you can make is 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 finite, right? Mm -hmm. Like you like you, you know you can't make a million dollars if you work a job that's paying you fifty thousand right. dollars a year. It's just not possible. But if you own some stuff, you can, right? If you mm -hmm. own a business and you hire people, you can. If you own a you know a digital property. You can, if you own a physical property that you can sell over and over. I wrote my book in 2009. I still get paid from that every single year, mm -hmm. right? Every single month, actually, right? But so, so it's really about, like, what are you doing, right? What kind of assets you own? And I think that was the beginning of it for me. It wasn't, okay. I, I, you know, I wouldn't say that that particular, um, you know, that particular event was, you know, when I got it because there was still um, some trial and error, right? And so a lot of people who might be listening to this now might say, well, you're making it, you know, it seems easy. You're making it sound so easy. Um, I'm telling you my truth from where I am right now, right? But, you know, there was some, there was some, some unlearning, right? There was some unlearning that had to happen because, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a household that say, you know, work hard, get a good job retire when you 60 so i had to i had to re you know uncondition that yo i remember the first time um that i decided to quit my six-figure banking job to be an entrepreneur you know my mother god rest her soul like she almost attacked me mm. she almost she was like boy are you crazy you know we like you got you got one of the best jobs you were the boss you the i wasn't really the boss i reported to somebody i was just following orders mm. i just i was just the face mm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm, you know, everybody's looking at me. Everybody's proud of me, right? I'm, I'm from 129th Street and 8th Avenue. I'm from the projects. People are looking like, yo, this this kid that used to play the corners is now the manager of a bank, right? You know, I don't know if Chase still does it, but when you walk into Chase's bank, you see a big picture of the person. Mm. You got their face and their name underneath, right? Somebody walk into the bank. You people will show off like, yo, let me yo, yo come here. Let me show you my mans. That's my mans, mans. Let me show you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They were proud, but I, but, but, you know, I felt like I was selling my soul because I knew it was more. And so the first time I jumped out and, you know, decided to quit and, you know, become an entrepreneur. How old were you? Uh, I was, uh, I was about to turn 30, so I was 29. Mm. Yeah, I was 29. Actually, uh, funny thing is that I actually um, uh, threw myself a retirement party. Right, mm. so I, so I, so I was like, yo, I'm, I'm I'm about to do this, and I'm saying I had a I had a I was about to turn thirty, um, you know I had a retirement party at the forty forty club, mm. um, and and I decided that I was going to jump out the window uh, and become an entrepreneur, um, and and I fell on my face though too, so I'm not so so I, so, I, so in full disclosure, yeah. uh, I became a homeowner. I bought my first home, my wife and I, uh, when, when I was twenty five years old, right? Yeah. While you're working at the bank, while I was working at the okay. bank. Um, and so when I decided to leave banking and become an entrepreneur, I was already used to a, a six-figure lifestyle, yeah. right? Um, my first year, I, you know, I wrote the book. Um, I was on Hot 97. I was, you know, Black Enterprise, Essence. I was doing before, my thing. Before we get there. Before yeah, yeah, we yeah, get yeah. There. So you were at the bank for how long? Uh, so from 2000 to two, so when I, when I about, about nine years. About nine yeah, years. Yeah, but then I had to jump back in, though. Yeah. Oh, so you left, then went back. Yeah, so that's what I was okay. that's, that's yeah, what I'm saying. I got you. Right? Hold on, but yeah, before yeah. you get there, yeah, before yeah. you get there, so were you making some uh, money moves before you left? No. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What led up to, okay, I'm going to leave? Yeah, so, you know, I, so, so the thing is, so here's the deal, right? I was making a lot of money, but I was still flashy, right? I was still uh, trying to, I mean, I'll be honest, I was trying to keep up with the drug deal. So I was I was still hanging out with the guys, you know what I'm saying? We was going to the clubs, you know what I'm saying? I remember mm. my first car was a, a, a Dodge Intrepid, right? I had the gold Dodge Intrepid with the, with the uh, if you know, you know. I had the gold Dodge Intrepid with the rims. Uh, I, I, you know what I'm saying? I had the rims, I had the tents, mm. I was killing it, right? right. Uh, always fresh, going to the club, Mars 2112, all, all everything, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so I was, I was spending a lot of money. Um, and so when I decided to quit, uh, I really thought that fame equals money though. Right. Because I, ne I was never an entrepreneur. I was a nine to five guy. Uh, and for some reason, I just thought that if everybody knew who I was, um, then I would just, you know, the money would come with it. And so when I wrote my first book, um, you know, I was still working at the bank. I was, you know, you know, grinding it out. You know, I, I got some some big placements, some, you know, Hot 97, Black Enterprise, Essence. Um, and, you know, one of my one of my bosses uh, came to me one day. Uh, they knew I was writing a book, but they didn't know at what magnitude. Um, and somehow somebody, you know, I don't know who, but somebody showed them my website. Right. He comes to me and says, yo, is this you? I said, yeah, it's me, because my name is Ash Exantis, right? Mm -hmm. But I but I wrote 
under Ash Cash. Mm -hmm. And so, some, you know what I mean? If you don't know, you don't know. Um, and so it was an ego thing that made me quit because he was like, well, how are you going to focus on what you got to do here at the bank? And, you know, you're on Hot 97. Like, he was making it seem like, you know, that he thought the success would go to my head. So I said, you know what? I quit. You know right. what I'm saying? So success did go to your head, actually. It did. Absolutely. He was absolutely right. He was absolutely <laughs> right. Because right. I quit. Um, I threw myself a retirement party. Uh, you know, I start I started grinding it out. Uh, my first year uh, as an entrepreneur, I probably made about 50, 60, 60 grand. Doing which, what? Uh, speaking, writing books. So it was mainly from the, you know, on the speaking circuit. Mm -hmm. uh, I got a contract with um, ACS, uh, which is like the, the children's services, mm -hmm. uh, teaching financial literacy to, to kids who were out of foster care. Um, and so I was getting good contracts. I was getting good speaking engagements. I was good, you know, I was getting, I was selling, you know, decent amount of books, but it wasn't enough to sustain my lifestyle because I had already created this lifestyle that was a $100,000 lifestyle. Um, and so I almost, you know, I, I almost went into foreclosure. Right. Mm -hmm. I had to I had to put my house up for a short sale uh, mm -hmm. the embarrassment, you know, what I'm saying of my neighbors, you know, coming, looking at me and saying, yo, yo, I, yo, I saw your house listed on the, on the foreclosure list like Ash, what's going on? Right. And mind you, yeah, I'm teaching about money. Right. Mind you, I'm teaching about money and I'm on the radio and I'm on television and I'm doing I'm in magazines. Oh, that hurts. All bad. Right. And so and so for me, that made me realize, like, yo, you got to change this stuff up. And, and it was really at that moment where I started to really say, all right, now I got I got I got I got to stop working hard for money. Right. Because even as an entrepreneur, I created a job for myself. If I didn't grind, I wasn't getting paid. Right. And so I decided, you know, I had to swallow my pride and I went back into the banking world. So I went back into the banking Not world. The same bank, obviously. No, no. I went to uh, to Citibank uh, on 45th Street, uh, 45 million dollar branch, uh, which was also the blessing, though. Right. It was the blessing because it was while I was in Citibank. Um, one of the, the folks that worked at Citibank uh, knew of a nonprofit organization in Queens that was starting a new credit union and needed a CEO for it. Mm. So had I not gone back though, right? Had I not gone back to the bank, I would have never had the opportunity to become a CEO of a credit union because I wouldn't have met the guy who introduced me to the other guy who got me to the CEO got position. You. Yeah. You have a boss voice and a big voice, the navigator and the negotiator. Okay. We listen to the negotiator all day long. Who's the negotiator? Talk the, to me. The negotiator is the one that says, dude, you don't need to work out tonight, dude. You're looking good. You're already freaking down 10 pounds. Besides that, dude, you just did four days in a row. She ain't going to be here all night, dog. Just go out for a minute. You can work out tomorrow. <laughs> that negotiator is good, though. That's the, dude, we negotiate ourselves out of everything we want. Yeah. If you, if you really, because again, first of all, you got to take responsibility for whatever you're in. Yeah. Most people won't do that either. I have done that. Everything's my fault. Okay. So if you take responsibility and, and, and you really fully understand that everything is because of you, then now you can take ownership and then start making changes. Yeah. Who's the navigator? The navigator Again, it's still you. It's just another voice. And the navigator is the one that wants you to do the right thing because we all know the difference between right and wrong. Yeah. I, you can call it intuition. You can call it whatever. But if I said to you real quick, you know, what's better for you, uh, uh, a salad or a freaking, you know, five guys and fries, you know, with a peanut butter milkshake. Salad, of course. Of course. So why are you eating a five guys and fries and a peanut butter milkshake? At the end of the day, it's because deep down, I think people subconsciously which is below awareness that's why they call it sub below mm. conscious aware subconsciously we don't think we deserve any more than we have which is why we never get any more than we got you're never going to outperform your own self-image i think remember what we were talking about earlier you said that people don't um don't don't not want to be successful yeah everyone wants to be I don't know if that's entirely true because from where I'm from, what's more important than being successful is being real and being real. Who, or, who teaches that nonsense? And believe me, I'm the real Bradley. Yeah. My brands are all real. <laughs> so I would be like, yeah, yeah. But dude, what's real? You have to define that for me real quick. So um, from where I grew up, there's a loyalty, right? 
where I remember going to get like my first job. Now, me and my friends, we play basketball, we hang out, we do absolutely nothing on the weekends and we uh-huh. just kick it, right? But if I wanna go do something else, the environment says, oh, well, why aren't you hanging out with us? And me going to do something more uh, progressive with my life will sometimes play a factor on me because I know what people are gonna think about me. So I don't necessarily wanna be too far away from these people. Why? It's the environment I grew up in. Okay, so you made a choice. Yeah. Be happy with it. A hundred percent. That's what I'm saying, but I, not everybody wants to be successful for the fear Everybody of what wants to be successful. You think? I guarantee it, dude. They may not be telling you. Do you want to be successful? I want to be successful. Name yes. someone who doesn't. Um, me as a teenager. You didn't want to be successful. I didn't want to be successful. My ass, you didn't here's, want to be here's successful. Here's the thing. Because you wanted it, to be successful? I would, so I would want to, if I, if, I, if I got too much separation from my friends, if I went and became successful, the people that I love wouldn't accept me. No, you just feared that that would happen. Yes, yeah, so I, would, didn't want to, I didn't want what I feared. Well, so again, I didn't want to be successful. You did though. You mm-hmm. just didn't want the consequence of being successful. Dude, everybody wants correct, to be successful. Correct, correct, yes. Who doesn't want to be successful? Show me the person that doesn't want to be successful, and after I talk to them for a little while, they'll admit they do want to be successful, but they don't want to lose their mom. They don't want to lose their friends. They don't want to you know, be laughed at and ridiculed and poked at. So, And mentally, we could believe these things, and mm. just because we believe them doesn't make them true, by the way. But you could have believed that if you succeed, dude, all your friends are gone. And so you said, no, I want to keep my friends. I'm loyal. I'm real. When in reality, that number one wasn't even the truth. Number two, uh, in my opinion, again, like money's not more important than relationships. Yeah. So like, don't get it twisted. Like I always tell people, look, here's how it goes. Number one, health. Why health? Because without the health, you'll give up all your money to get that back. Trust me, you will. So you want health, number one. Number two, you want relationships. Why? Because if you knew you were going to die, you don't think about your businesses and your cars and your worldly possessions. You think about people. Yeah. Um, and then thirdly is money. Why? Well, because with money, you have every, all the other things that you want, which is crazy because health takes money. So, mm-hmm. so the, the healthier you are, the more money it costs. But what's coincidental, the more healthy you are sound mind body and spirit the more money you make so the more money you make the healthier you can get which is funny because relationships if you think about it is where all dollars come from every dollar you've ever received is from some sort of relationship that's a fact so the richer you get the more relationships the easier they are they 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 come by the dozens when you're rich doors open invites everywhere you know so so the more relationships you have the more money that comes the more money that comes the healthier you get the healthier i mean these are options you don't have to but it's all cyclical the 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 more money you get the more relationships you get the more relationships you get the more money you get if you want if i always say you know you want more money make more relationships and then people look oh you don't know how to make a relationship (laughs) come on like go out introduce yourself well i don't want people to think see now we're right back to the bullshit (laughs) (laughs) when you first got your first like your first six i'm talking about like after a few years your business is successful dude i'm still i'm still sometimes saying dude you made it Uh, i look at my bank account and i'm like dude i'm a multi-millionaire like isn't that weird to think but it's true and then i don't then i think and that's just a bank account one okay i haven't even looked at the other ones that doesn't include assets yeah. it doesn't include anything so like i sit there and i go dang even still yeah why because i was told i was never going to make it now if i cared about everybody else's opinion mm-hmm. that would have stuck with me If you like the video that you just watched, click this one. You're going to like this one, maybe even more. Click it right now.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.